You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. On this Palm Sunday, we trace the history of God's promise of salvation and celebrate the fulfillment of that promise in Christ. Again, good morning. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Um, for those who, um, again, I didn't, when I was up here early praying, earlier praying, I realized I didn't introduce myself. So, hi, I'm Marty. Um, I'm a, uh, a member here um, and soon to be on staff, which is cool. Um, starting this, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, starting this um, August. So excited about that. Um, this morning, um, with it being Palm Sunday, we're going to be looking. Uh, we're going to be looking at the account in the Gospel, and then, like I said, um, we also are going to be looking at some other passages. So, at some point today, we are going to be in Genesis, and at some point today, we're going to be in Revelation. So, buckle up. Um, it's okay. I because I'm a, a teacher of, um, at Calvary Christian Academy. I understand the clock is a very powerful tool, and so I set a timer for myself so I don't get too distracted. It helps me. And ultimately helps you. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking at Palm Sunday. And as like as we are thinking about this this topic, I mean, if you've attended church um, since you were little or have attended this Easter season, you've probably have heard a number of sermons and teachings on um, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and maybe some churches you used to go to when you were younger, like there were traditions your churches would do or different special events. Um, I was telling Charity the other week. There's a church we uh, attended for a number of years before we uh, moved from Ohio, and they would, on Easter, they'd have a big breakfast. And so they'd have a sun, S-O-N, rise service at like 7 or 30, so, okay. And then they would have like this big thanks, or this big Thanksgiving dinner, sorry, this big breakfast, and then they would expect you to go upstairs and have another service. Sausage gravy hits hard. I'm just saying, like... But it was wonderful. Um, also, I remember growing up when I was little, we'd get the Easter lilies, you know, the big, and having older brothers, they're like, you got to smell them really close. And so you'd get the pollen all over your face and no one would tell you. Uh, traditions, okay? Like, this is a time to remember uh, and look back. So I'm sure as we think back in the, the Rolodex of memories, there's a number of things that have come up. But regardless of how your church remembered or celebrated um, Palm Sunday, one word probably always comes up as you're looking at this holiday, and it is this word, Hosanna. Hosanna, like that is what it's known for, the the palm branches and waving and Jesus riding in on a donkey. Um, There was an outdoor um, drama, The Life of Christ was called The Living Word. It's a big one in Ohio. You should go see it. It's really cool. And I remember as a little kid, we went. And before the show, they're welcoming everybody, um, and they said, when Jesus rides in on the donkey. The donkey's name is Rocky, but don't say his name, because the other day, Rocky dumped Jesus in this bush because he went to someone in the audience. So, like, that was just another memory, okay? But Hosanna and palm branches, those are things that are, like, solidified in our mind. In each of the gospel accounts, they pick up on maybe different, a little different way that this word is used. So, I have a little assignment for you, okay? We're going to look at these passages in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and John 12. So, with a buddy, I'm just going to take a couple seconds, about two minutes, and you're going to turn to a buddy, and how is the word Hosanna used differently in these passages? So you can talk, okay? You can talk, turn to your neighbor, um, turn to somebody, and Matthew 21, Mark 11, and John 12, how is Hosanna used, and how is it used differently? And go. Go. 
So here, ready? And I will do a little bit more uh, audience participation. Can somebody just read that Matthew 21, just verse 9? Just, just, just say it real loud. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody mark 11, 9 and 10. Someone want to do that one? Sweet. Thank you. And lastly, John twelve thirteen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So great. So we can, so we kind of see these kind of, like you said it. So like in Matthew, we're seeing like Hosanna to the son of David. In Mark, uh, Mark 11, we're seeing Hosanna in the highest. And then John is basically just like, Hosanna. Like, but so they're all saying these things. They're all saying this word Hosanna. And sometimes they're saying Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna. Different songs and throughout, throughout the years have taken these different Hosannas and um, turned them into verses and choruses for us to sing. We are familiar with, the, with this Hosanna time of Jesus riding into the city on a colt and the people waving the palm branches and saying this. This word Hosanna. Now again, so what does this word Hosanna Mean? What does this word Hosanna mean? Well, this word Hosanna in the Hebrew, kind of in the Old Testament Hebrew, um, it means simply save us, please. That's, that's what that word meant in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament Hebrew, it was save us, please. Save us, please. Well, because I have to, we have to stop and think. If we were there 2,000 years ago, um, things would have looked a little, like we, our vocabulary would have been a little different, and there would not have been snow, so not, not a terrible thing. And if we were there 2,000 years ago, this, around this crowd of saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is he, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna! Well what, well, what are they talking about? What are they proclaiming? Or why would they be saying this word Hosanna here? Um, save us, please. Well, this is where we're going to do our quick sweep. Well, what were they looking for? When they saw Jesus, they're looking at Jesus as he's riding in, and they saw something. And as I've been calling this, um, as I'm calling today, or put the title on this, like, Looking for Jesus. The Israelites, the people in Jerusalem, they've been looking for Jesus. They've been looking for this one to come to save them. And so who is this one? Well, all the way back in Genesis, Genesis 3.15, we get kind of the, the, the linchpin or kind of the catalyst to the next 2,700 chapters of the Bible. In Genesis 3 Verse 15, this is after Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit and they've disobeyed God's commands and now sin has entered the world. Now God is speaking to the serpent that we know to be the devil and he says in verse 315, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And he talks about there's this seed of this woman, the seed of the woman. You shall bruise his heel 
and he will bruise your head. Some translations even take that word bruise your head into crush your head. This is the, the, the first promise of the Messiah. This is the first gospel. Some call it the proto-evangelium, the first gospel. So all the way back in Genesis 3.15, God's like, okay, things, are, things have been messed up. Sin is here. There's consequences. A little bit later, we see he calls like Adam and tells Adam, you're going to have to work hard, and you're going to die and return to dust. Rough day. Probably the worst day in history to that point. So they're asking, so this, we see God is saying, I am going to save you through the seed of the woman. Okay, well, where's this seed going to come from? Well, he continues a little bit further. We get another guy by the name of Abraham um, several chapters later, um, about a thousand years later, um, in chapter 12. God chooses this guy, Abraham, or at this point calling him Abram, in chapter 12, verse um, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, uh, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the nations and all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So it went from the seed of the woman, and now we get like a specific family, like people of the descendants of Abraham. This is where this saving is going to come from, to fix the problem of sin that we saw back in Genesis 3. Okay, now Abraham has many sons, and many sons has father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Okay, cool, you're still away. Okay, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, okay? Hey, let's just make them to a song. Um, the jokes are bad. It's okay. It's... I heard a comedian say, I'll accept a groan, because that's at least knows you're listening. So, groans are okay. So, okay, so he has all these descendants, okay? And so Abraham has two kids, uh, Ishmael, not the son to carry on the blessings. Isaac is the son, so Isaac has some kids. Isaac has Esau and Jacob. Jacob, uh, he's the son to carry on these, these blessings. The seed is going to come through Jacob. Jacob has 12 kids, and his name gets changed to Israel. And then they take a road trip down to Egypt. They're in Egypt for 400 years. And while they're in Egypt, as they're dying, um, as, sorry, um, as uh, Jacob is dying, he's giving out blessings to his sons. He's calling down these blessings on his sons um, as he's about to die. And we get, okay, he has, it's Jacob's family. It's Jacob's family. He has 12 sons. Which son is going to be the one to carry on the seed? Which one? Well, in Genesis 49, we see it. The son Judah. Judah, your brothers shall praise you, and your, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, and your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. And down in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall the obedience of the peoples. There's an old song, The Lion of Judah. This is where we get that. And that scepter, different, different theologians have talked about like the idea of a scepter. It's a, it's a royal instrument showing authority. 
We see modern monarchs at times throughout history have had a scepter, a, a typically an embossed or golden scepter of some sorts with some sort of crown and holy hand grenade type thing on top that they would have as a symbol of their authority in their rule and reign. Well, here... Jacob is saying, Judah, you have the scepter. It shall not depart from you. That royal authority shall not depart from you. So it started with Eve, the seed of Eve, has moved up to Abraham, has moved up now to the descendants of Judah. But now it even gets more specific. It even gets more specific as we take another big jump to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 17 these promises keep building on each other that they, the people of Israel were looking for. They were looking for this Messiah. They were looking for this serpent crusher. They were looking for a descendant of Abraham. They were looking for a descendant of Judah. And now in 2 Samuel 7, 2 Samuel 7, 12, which was our, New Testament, our Old Testament reading this morning, this is God making his covenant with King David. He's speaking this to the prophet uh, Nathan, and Nathan will then speak this to David. And in chapter 7, verse 12, it says, And when your days, David, are fulfilled, and you will lie down with your fathers, and I will raise up from your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 14, I will, be, um, I will be to him as a father, and he shall be to me as a son. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house, David, and your kingdom shall be sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So we go from a descendant of Eve, oh, to, okay, to the family of Abraham, but that gets really big, okay, to the tribe of Judah, okay, then of the family of David. Greg Steyer wrote a book, in he, um, a modern-day parable, and he called the character in it J.C. Davidson. So, so it went from all these people, and now we're down to the Davidsons. Jesus Davidson. Okay, not really. Okay. Um, so we get the promise. So back here again, so these keep building. So Genesis 3, 15. And then we um, add the promise of Abraham. We add to that um, Genesis 49. This is going to come from Judah. To that, we get 2 Samuel 7. And these promises keep building. This is the makeup. This is the building blocks of what these Israelites were waiting for. So when they cry, Hosanna... It's because he's here. Jesus checks off the boxes. Jesus checks off the boxes. He's a descendant of Eve. Check. He's he's Jewish. He's from the line of, um, he's from the family group of Abraham. Cool. He's of the tribe of Judah and ultimately a descendant of David. Jesus is all of these things. So when they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, or Hosanna, to the son of David, those are all true things. Save us, O one of David. O save us, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us in the highest. The heavens, the angels and those above. 
This one has come. This is the one that they were looking for and waiting for. At Christmas time, um, at Christmas time, can you, for some reason I lost it, can you go to the Isaiah passage, please? Um, at Christmas time, we read these other passages of what, of what he will look like, of what this Messiah will look like. So in Isaiah, in Isaiah, Uh, seven. Isaiah 7, we can read again furthermore what he was going to look like and who he would be. In Isaiah 7, 13 and 14, and he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you, for weary men, that you... Weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us. Further in, over in chapter, uh, in chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah, in verses 6 and 7, we see, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, sorry, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forever more. And then in chapter 11 of that, you can see a little bit more. Again, just Isaiah is reminding the people and describing for the people what this Messiah, this Hosanna is going to look like. And in chapter 11, like, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, David's dad, um, and the branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit, uh, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see or, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide um, with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the branch of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of, uh, belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. There's this one coming. There's this one coming that they were excited to see. There's this one coming that they were hoping for. And Jesus was the building blocks for it. So if we were back in Matthew, if we're back in our Matthew 21 passage, there's, there's even one more that we got in there. And Rocky the donkey reminded us of. Rocky the donkey reminded us of. It, excuse me.
In 21 in verse 2, Jesus says, Go into a village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt and, uh, with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, um, you, um, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this was to fill what he had spoken by the prophet, um, the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah 9.9. In Zechariah 9, 9, when, he, um, when it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, humbled and mounted on a donkey of a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus, as he entered, again, another box was checked of saying what he would do, that he would enter in this city, this bringer of peace, this bringer of salvation, um, would save them. That he would bring the salvation, and the salvation would come. So this word, Hosanna, please, or Hosanna, save us, please. Save us, please, is what this used to mean. John Piper, um, he, um, he used... But he said that's what this word used to mean in the Hebrew. But throughout the New Testament, actually, the word began to shift. In the Old Testament, um, in Psalms 118, we see this word Hosanna used, um, or the Hebrew equivalent of it. And most of our Bibles just translate it to save us. In 118 verse 25, 118 and verse 25, the Old Testament passage, um, it says... Save us, we pray, O Lord. O God, we pray, give us success. That word save us there, that's, again, that's Hosanna. But right after that, the natural next thing is verse 26, when it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Save us, but blessed. Blessed is he who comes. And so he's like, this word, it used to mean like save us, can you put up the, the first picture? Thank you. Um, so save us. It's like people that, um, John Piper talks about somebody who's like jumped off a diving board into the deep end of a pool and doesn't know how to swim. And so they're trying to ask for forgiveness. Or unfortunately, during, I remember as a, uh, when I was younger, seeing all the devastation about Hurricane Katrina. And people that'd be stuck on their roofs or they'd write in large letters on their roof like, help, save us. And so imagine like that person who's jumped in the water screaming, save us, save us, save us, help us. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. But he says, but in the New Testament, it's actually, it's, it changes a little bit. It's actually, if we go to like the second picture, like that he says, it's seeing the lifeguard, it's seeing the helicopter there to rescue. Yes, you're still saying Hosanna, but instead of like a cry of desperation, like Hosanna, save us. Okay, Hosanna, I hope that seed comes. Hosanna, I hope Abraham provides. Hosanna, I hope Judah. Hosanna, someone from David. It's now, that's the Hosanna. That's the helicopter. The rescue is here. Like, I'm confident. Yeah, I'm crying for safety, but hooray for salvation. It's coming. It's here. Salvation, Hosanna. And so when we get these exclamations in uh, in the Gospels of this Hosanna, it's not just a crying for help. It's the assurance that there it is. It is here. Hosanna, hooray, salvation has come. So when we go, 
When we look at those in Matthew 21, it's Hosanna to the Son of David. It's like an exclamation, like Hosanna to the, means like the Son of David is our salvation. Hooray for the King. Salvation belongs to the King. The King is here. Hosanna in the highest, when we see, when we see how Mark wrote that, Hosanna in the highest means like all the angels in heaven join the song of praise. Salvation, salvation, salvation. Let the highest heaven sing this song. In John, it's Hosanna, like it's here. The thing we've been looking for for 2,000 plus years, sorry, 4,000 plus years, sorry, 4,000 plus years is here. Hosanna. Hosanna. Salvation is here. Hooray, hooray for salvation. So we see all of Israel is excited, or all of Jerusalem is excited, except for the Pharisees who are like, oh, what's going on? Okay, let's try and kill them. Okay, everyone is so excited that the thing that they've been waiting for for 4,000 years has finally come. John Piper, um, again, he, he wrote a, um, a little illustration for us to, to help us picture it. Um, some of us, I was not here um, when this happened, but 1970, Super Bowl number nine. Anyone know who was there? Pittsburgh and the uh, Steelers and the Vikings. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so it's his picture, he says, so this is Piper, says, picture a Super Bowl game, and believe it or not, the Vikings are three points ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are on their own 35 and have no more timeout. There are two seconds remaining on the clock. The Viking fans are going wild. The Steelers line up. They fake a pass to a receiver on the left sideline, and they run a wide sweep to the right end. And the quarterback breaks into the open and heads down the right sideline. 40 45, 50, 45. The only hope is the, uh, for the Vikings is Willie Teal, the safety, cutting a diagonal across the field. And out of the Viking grandstands come two kinds of hosannas, the old kind and the new kind. The new crowd is yelling, catch him, catch him, Willie. That's the old hosanna, save us, save us. And the other part of the crowd is yelling, you got him, you got him, Willie. That's the new hosanna. The word moved from a plea to praise, from a cry to confidence. So when we sing this word, when we use this word, Hosanna, when we see it here, this is a cry of confidence. This is a praise that Jesus has come. As we we're reminded in the book of Revelation with our New Testament reading and as Nate shared, we today are still looking for Jesus. We're still, we today are still looking for the entrance and re-entry of Jesus when he comes back the second time to make and restore all things. When we saw in uh, Revelation 19, We see the names of him as he comes. And behold, he's on a white horse this time. He is is no longer humbled. He is exalted and lifted up on this authority and right to rule and reign, coming in on a white horse. 
And he was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Well, that's what Isaiah said. He will judge with righteousness, with his perfectness and keeping his promises. And as it ends, as ends in 16, and on his robe and on his thigh are written the name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When we see that, we will be the ones yelling, Hosanna. And not just us, if we go back to Revelation 7, as Nate read for us, in Revelation 7, verse 9, and I looked and behold, there was a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white with palm branches, again, in their hands, And crying out with a loud voice, they said, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all of the angels, the heavenly host in the highest, and all of the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their face to the ground, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Hosanna! Like, when, when we see this image in Revelation, when we see this second coming, when we see him coming back, we will be the one yelling Hosanna, not as a save us, but as a he's here. He is here. He, we have been looking and waiting for you, and he is here. So when we sing Hosanna now, let us make it personal. Let, it, let us make it our praise and our confidence. The Son of David has come. He has saved us from the guilt and fear and hopelessness. Salvation. Salvation belongs to our God and to the Son. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. So just as 2,000 years ago, as um, on this day we celebrate when Jesus entered and the people were celebrating and worshiping, Hosanna, Hosanna, he's come, he's here to save us. May we, with the same expectation and anticipation, be looking ahead to when he comes back again. And may we, with confidence and praise, say Hosanna as we are looking for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done and what you are going to do. Father, we thank you that you have brought salvation, that you have made a way to deliver us from our sins and that you have made a way as um, to, that you have made a way and through your power you are overthrowing the works of the devil. As we've been studying the book of 1 John in, in verse 8, like this is the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hosanna, thank you that you have done that. Thank you, God, that you have shown us this, Hosanna, that you have saved us from our sins. And may we have, may your Holy Spirit just give us the hope 
and peace and confidence and joy in what you are currently doing and what you will continue to do. Like the, like the apostles and the disciples in the book of Acts, God, give each of us boldness as we take this message out and as we are proclaiming this message here in Frostburg and, and Allegheny County and points beyond that we will go from this place today looking for Jesus. And may that be our hope and confidence. May our hope and confidence always be in what Christ has done and will do. I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.